Hey, entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? If you're like most of us business owners, increasing your profitability is always on your mind. And you're probably looking for ways to grow your revenue while growing your company. Well, you found a podcast that helps you do just that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm Marcia Reiner, uh, known as the Profit Booster and a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to uh, establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability, guides your growth, and plans for your future exit. Because building a highly profitable and sale-ready business creates a win-win scenario. That's more money now and a windfall when it's time to let go. And I want to share strategies that I've learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have a super powerful training I want to share with you. It's called the 30-Day Profit Booster. This is where I'll show you exactly how you can get a 45% boost in net profits in just 30 days simply by following a three-step method that doesn't require that you're chasing more customers. And this quick and easy boosting strategy, profit boosting strategy can be done without spending more money on marketing, hiring additional staff, or working longer hours. Go check it out. Uh, the webinar is available at 30dayprofitbooster.com for more information. All right. I'm really excited to have my guest on today. And Angela Johnson is a certified Scrum trainer and the author of the Scrum Master Files, The Secrets Every Coach Should Know. As a professional people uh, geek, Angela helps others successfully implement Scrum and Agile to achieve their goals and objectives. Clients that Angela has uh, transformed includes agencies and services, software, hardware, marketing, learning, development, and more. The breadth and depth of her experience extends beyond Scrum and includes Kanban, extreme programming, facilitation, and organizational change for business agility. She graduated from Hamline University and the University of St. Thomas, Angela resides in lovely Minnesota, uh, where she's loving working in the age of virtual and distributed mediums, which allows her to serve her most important roles as wife and mother. Welcome, Angela. I'm so excited that you're on the show with me. Welcome to Profit with a Plan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so... Um, I think that this is a great way to start off. Um, normally, I'll ask you, how did you get into this world? But I think we need to define something first, because not everybody understands Scrum and what it means. So share with us, give us a little bit of back history on what Scrum is and how business owners can benefit from it. Yeah, the two creators of Scrum took it from the rugby metaphor, uh, the game of rugby, you know, the scrummage, the famous huddle, people working together, banding together to move towards the same goal, get the ball going towards the same direction. And it was actually a business article, a Harvard Business Review article from 1986 that started this whole thing. It was called the New New Product Development Game. And mm -hmm. in that article, they talked about how successful organizations at that time were working differently than their competitors, you know, because their competitors would have one person specializing in one thing. Well, in successful organizations, they were banding together in a rugby-like huddle and uh, working together, hence Scrum, short for scrummage. 
Love it. Love it. Well, thank you. Because, you know, I was, I was liking, well, wait a minute. What does it mean? What does it mean? And I know we've spoken, but I'm sure I'm not the only one that was wondering that, but that's a really good idea that you insert into your business and create processes where you get the team participation in it and that they can really work on, um, I guess, moving the ball down the field or up the hill or, or, you know, into production and, and get those ideas. So that's really great. Why did you, why was it interesting for you to jump into that space? For me, I had come from a traditional project management background, and I always felt like an adult daycare provider in that <laughs> space. I, seriously, it's like I'm, I'm checking up on all these people. Can't they talk? Can't they, can't they talk <laughs> to each other? Um, and so when I learned about Scrum, to me, it was an enormous amount of common sense. Oh, working together to get something done. What a crazy idea. Instead of being in all these little silos and then having to pay somebody that we call a manager or a project manager to run around and check up on everybody. Why can't people be big kids? Why can't people talk? And it just stuck. And so I've been working this way exclusively for the last 18 years. Wow. I love it. I love it. And so it really, um, like you said, it, it, they, they have to act like adults. And then there's not that extra cost of having a person overseeing them. Um, project management, it to me, does seem like glorified babysitters. You know, it's like, okay, did you do what you were supposed to do? Great. Did you turn it in on time? Does Susie know that she needs to step in now? And what about John? And when does he kick in? I mean, that's crazy, right? That you bit. can't do it yourself. And we say we want accountability. I mean, what business leader doesn't want more accountability? Well, then the first thing we do is take that accountability away by trotting in adult daycare providers because accountability has to be experienced. Mm. The only way somebody's going to learn accountability as a behavior is by actually experiencing it. You know, here's what I got done. Here's where I could use some help, you know, getting that transparency going. And so having one person run around and collect it that's just going to reinforce, oh, crap, I got to have something to say to that person to get them off my back. That's a lack of accountability. Exactly, exactly. So um, so how do businesses, how do you set this up in a company, right? How do you get the buy-in from everybody to participate and act and do what they're supposed to do? Well, buy-in is a, is a key phrase there because a lot of times if the leaders of those organizations haven't set the tone, they haven't set the expectations, people will struggle. Right. Mm. People will, will will not understand what the goals and objectives are. So if a leader is going to make a change, the most powerful thing they can do is communicate why we're making the change, what it means, how your job stays the same, because we don't want to rile people up or scare people. But here's how it's going to change. You know, because if we don't tell people what the goal or the objective is, they might make something up. You know, their mm -hmm. ego likes to tell little stories. It's like, oh, crap, here comes another change initiative. Of, am I going to lose my job? So the first thing a leader can do is say, this is just a different way to do our jobs. Right? There's job security here. Nobody's losing their job. We're just going to be doing that work differently. And here's why. And I think it sounds like it's, it, you know, well, I mean, it appears to be a better and easier method rather than having that person, you know, tromping around trying to figure out if you've done your job. Um, but, you know, change is always that 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 nasty word that business owners hate, that employees hate, that everybody hates, you know. Um, so to get them to buy into this change, does it work simply by saying, OK, it's going to be better? Not necessarily. We typically have to you know, calm people down, calm that ego down and let them know that their job is here. But now let's walk through 
how it's going to change specifically. So just saying it's better, uh, that doesn't usually make people happy. It's like, well, what's in it for me? You know, Mm -hmm. Hey, would you like to get me off your back? Would you be interested if I didn't ask you to put a cover sheet on your TPS report? If I didn't ask for a status report, well, if I got something for you, right. Working closer together with your peers, being transparent with what's going on with your peers, focusing on the goals and objectives. Now we don't need to do status reports because the information is big and visible and we've saturated communication across the team because we'll, we'll do that on a daily basis. And it sounds like, you know, from, from, from my experience with the, we'll call it the new workforce, right? This is how everything's changed post COVID, how people want more, um, more ability in the company. But what I found is that job satisfaction is a really high motivator for the new workers in the economy. And I think if you're giving them a task and you're letting them figure out how to do it themselves and report on their timeline to everybody else and to kind of complete their tasks rather than being babysat, I think that elevates that that job satisfaction, right? I've done something. You 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 tasked me with something and here I completed it to duh. Here you go, right? For sure. And that self-direction. It's like, mm-hmm. here's, you know, what we want, here's who it's for, why we want it, go figure it out. And they can work together to do it, you know, as long as they're being transparent about it. And we also want people to not be shy to say, well, I have some questions or I've run into an impediment or a challenge in meeting it. So as long as they're giving us that daily progress, that daily transparency, no problem. And that increases the accountability too. Yeah. I love it. And I love that, that, that figure it out mentality, right? Because, you know, that, that adds so much more you know, for, for a lot of people to go, okay, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a puzzle here, or I've got a challenge here, or I've got an objective I need to do. How's the best way to do it? And I think you're actually, you're building leaders in your company. You're building people that are responsible for their job, mm-hmm. which I laugh because it's like, I hired you to be responsible for your job, but I don't let you be responsible because I'm always nitpicking and, and bugging on you. And I think this model really puts people in that mindset of like, step up to your role, right? Absolutely. And the the thing you mentioned earlier about change, change is inevitable. I mean, if the, if the pandemic taught us anything, I mean, change is inevitable. So we need to get better at, okay, just accepting this is the new reality, or this is what's happened. How are we going to figure it out together? Mm. Because to say, well, we want to discourage change. That's, that's, you know, awesome. That's but death it's not to a business. Right. That's it's not death realistic. to a business. <laughs> right. Gosh. Okay. So how do you initiate? How do you get the team to start to feel this kind of um, uh, change, right? And start to implement it in here. What are some of the tricks or ideas that leaders, you know, obviously you're going to have someone professional come in and set everything up, but how do you get how do you get to the point where where the team is actually working, self-sufficient, working on the project themselves? Yeah. Once the leaders have set that tone that I talked about earlier, because that is important, otherwise folks will struggle, um, getting a team to do 
anything together. It may seem silly, but there's lots of, you know, icebreakers, team building exercises and things like that to start establishing trust. And because one of the things in knowledge work these days that nobody wants to admit out loud is I don't know, or I could use someone's help. You know, Captain Ego takes over and, you know, we tell ourselves stuff like, well, you can't say that out loud. They'll think you're silly. So I try to get a team doing anything together. And one of the first things is for them to establish agreements with each other. Even if it's as simple as when there's a tie or when we need to make a decision, what's our decision-making process going to be? I mean, I don't care if it's rock, paper, scissors. Seriously, I've seen teams do that. <laughs> My own team uses something called Roman voting. We'll do a thumbs up, a thumb to the side, thumbs down. So thumb to the side is just will of the group. A thumbs down is I have a different perspective and I want to speak to see if that changes anything. But then it's majority rules. You know, So now we have an agreement with each other. Some people will call those norms, social contracts, rules of engagement. We just call them agreements. We just call them working agreements with each other. And we'll get into tactical things as well. What time's our daily check-in going to be? Oh, 12 to 12.15, noon works for everybody. Cool. So having those, those norms, those agreements with each other really helps the team just kind of have a playbook to start clicking and gelling with each other. Nice. And do you, do you establish leaders and, and worker bees or do you, or does everybody have a role like a, an equal task? Yeah. In the scrum framework specifically, um, since that's one of the things, you know, we started off talking about and that I teach, there is somebody called a product owner and they're responsible for giving the work direction to the team saying who this is for, what it is, why they want it. So they can take input from stakeholders, customers, users, but they, you know, boil all that down so that they are coming up with what's first, what's second, what's third, because if it's all priority, nothing is. So that person really has to set, you know, the, the order. So we call them product owner, but there is no hierarchy on that scrum team. Product owner is just responsible for what we're doing, why we're doing it and who it's for. The people doing the work, uh, we call them developers just because it's based on that new product development game article, but mm -hmm. you call them, you know, doers, which would be fine as people doing the work, but it's flat. It's no hierarchy. So if you have a hierarchy, sometimes we get back into the same old problems. If there's somebody with, you know, a title that says senior, or I'm, I'm the boss of you, or I'm, you know, senior to you. Well, look who knows so much. Why should I bother thinking when you're just going to tell me anyway, that's learned helplessness. Mm. That's not people figuring it out together. So I do think an important element of the scrum framework is that, you know, for the people doing the work, there's no hierarchy, mm. you know, and on my own team, I hire people as team member. Mm. And, and if they want to call themselves on their LinkedIn profile or something else, so be it. But on paper, everyone is a team member. And that's, I like that. Yeah, it really um, takes all that nonsense out of it. <laughs> you know, senior this, junior that, or any of those games. And there are a lot of those games in corporate America for sure. Yes. Um, so wow, this is this is actually really interesting because you're it sounds like you're you're building kind of the mindset of the group, right? The team. Mm -hmm. Here's what we're gonna do. We've got an objective or a project. It maybe it's 
you know, putting together a widget. Maybe it is solving a problem for the business. Maybe it's even improving on a process. You can have, sounds like you can use this methodology for anything inside of the company for something that needs to get done. Absolutely. We're a services organization, you know, much like yourself, we offer, you know, coaching education services, but we also have a bricks and mortar event space. And we will use this for almost anything that comes our little team's way, whether it's, you know, taking on a new client that's going to host a lot of events at our space or, oh, flip all your classes virtually due to the global pandemic. (laughs) Surprise. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so then, then you just, so it's just an objective. You lay it out and you do it. But so Mm -hmm. if I'm thinking with the, with the orderly of it, uh, the company has objectives and the management goes to the teams, the different project teams and says, okay, here's what I need from you. Here's what I need in uh, as a completion from you go figure it out. Right. And then the team goes off and figures it out. They, they assign somebody, they go in, they do everything. It then now becomes this ongoing project. Um, I think it just makes complete and utter sense for like literally everything that you're going to do. Absolutely. And the phrase we use in the scrum framework work is uh, self-management. So when we say self-management, yeah, people are completely empowered to pair, to work together, or I'm going to take this task. Cool. I'm going to take this task. Self-management. There's no one person doling out all the tasks. Love so that, that's a big part of it because you mentioned buy-in and for there to be buy-in, well, then it's got to be their idea. So they're more likely to support that solution if they come up with it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So it sounds perfect. It sounds like it works every time. Wrong. Wrong. Um, <laughs> what happens when it doesn't work, right? When you've got the the team of say five people and one person just isn't pulling their weight. Yeah. <clears throat> um, this framework tends to just reveal challenges you already had. <laughs> so that person, you know, may be talented, amazing, but they may not excel at working together. And so one of the values in the framework is respect. And I always say it's more respectful to that person, just like it's more respectful to the team if they're not working out. But one Hmm. of the things I'll do as a scrum master, as somebody who coaches is I will ask that person one-on-one, always let them save face. Are you willing to work this new way? And you just don't know how yet, because we can talk as a team and figure it out. Or are you telling me you don't want to. And if they say, I don't want to, well, thank you for the courage to be honest with me, but now I need to escalate that to X, right? Fill in the blank. Whoever's asked us to work that way, because if that objective has been set is I don't want to really, an okay behavior at this company. I mean, scrum or no scrum, let's be honest. Right. Yeah. The first, the first thought in my mind was, okay, go clean out your desk. You can pick up your two week paycheck. Right. (laughs) But I mean, that's, that's not realistic in there. They may have had, you know, their reason, let's give them the benefit of the doubt may have been, Hey, I don't like Susie and John, um, but I could do it with Mary and Steve. Right. You know, so maybe it's a personality conflict and so on. And I'm sure you all get into it, but I Big love time. the idea that you come you, straight up. Let's figure out why this isn't going to work. Or, or do you do that in the beginning? Do you get the buy-in in the beginning? Yeah. I, I'll totally give somebody the benefit of the doubt and we'll start working together. Cause you want to see 
how those things shake out. It might take somebody some time, right? And mm-hmm. there's a end of uh, sprint. We call our two week time boxes or three week time boxes or however long the team is determined to work in smaller chunks. We call those sprints. Hmm. We hold a little conversation at the end of those to say, how are things going? So if as a coach or a scrum master, I notice this pattern, I will engage somebody one-on-one, but Hmm. I don't like to waste my time. So I do ask that really direct question. Are you just confused and you don't know what we're doing here or how we're doing it? Or tell me, you know, (laughs) if there's a personality conflict or is it that you don't want to, and even if it's a, I don't want to, or like you said, they don't want to work with certain people in large organizations, we should be able to move that person too, which is more respectful to them. It doesn't always mean clean out your desk and, you know, it doesn't always mean getting voted (laughs) off the Island completely, but it may be, you know, Hey, that person would be happier working in a different way in a different part of the organization. But I think this gives you the opportunity to see their true nature as well. Right. Oh, sure. There's, there's no place to hide on a scrum right? team. You know, the, the level of transparency in the daily check-in and checking in at the end of the couple of weeks, this is only going to reveal what's already not working. And so like you say, oh yeah, it works every time. <laughs> no, this is just going to reveal <laughs> all the challenges. And it's, to me, it's just like a garden hose because, you know, you get a kink in the hose and you work it out. Well, then it finds the next kink and it finds the next kink until everything's flowing. So you throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So this makes total sense now. So something that popped out that I didn't realize, I was thinking that this was more like, you know, it would cover larger projects, but you said they're sprints. They're short intervals of getting something done. And it might only be a piece of the, of the larger, you know, correct. Exactly right. Because you might have a goal, like you might have a larger project, you know, then it's going to take two to three months. But wouldn't you benefit from knowing sooner in like these smaller chunks rather Mm. than big bang at the end? Oh, crap, we missed something. And I can't tell you how many times, right? I, uh, when I was a project manager, that happened more than I liked to admit, where we thought we did everything perfect. Six months went by, we put something in front of a customer and they go, "Yeah, yeah, you totally messed up this. What? Well, if only we could have talked sooner, (laughs) you know, crazy idea. So this way of working is definitely big on the transparency, the customer engagement and all those little check-ins so that we don't have those unfortunate surprises. I love it. I love it. So it sounds like it's really, you know, a, a team effort rather than this top down, you know, delegated, you go do here, your job's there, sit at that desk until that's done, figure it out that way, rather than having that, that idea, right? And now that we're in this like post-COVID world where we're all working, not all, but a lot of us moved to this remote working style and all these other areas. Did it seem to break the opportunity for Scrum or can you still do it with um, um, uh, what's coming to mind is distant learning, but, you know, being offsite? Remote work. Yeah. Remote work. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. There is a big myth around a lot of frameworks like Scrum. Uh, There's a broader term that people use called Agile because there's a number of different frameworks in there, but uh, there's a myth that it required co-location. And that's so not true. Um, Some of the early adopters of this saw value in people working together 
in close proximity, but scrums never had that kind of a rule. And we can get together, like, look at you and I, we're on Zoom today. You know, we can get together for a chat face-to-face over a video call. And so in distributed or remote work, this works great. You know, so teams who already had kind of their working agreements or their ground rules or their ways of working, they might've had to adapt those for sure Mm -hmm. for remote, but yeah, this is completely applicable in the new, you know, remote distributed workforce. I love it. Okay. So you've, you've opened my eyes to scrum. I'm, I'm always going to think about it as, as a teamwork process to, to get something done. And so that makes total sense to me. And, and I really enjoy the idea of, of giving that responsibility to the employee that I've hired and I'm paying for, right? Mm-hmm. So that I can trust and believe that they're going to get it done and there's enough check-ins to keep it going. So I love this. So tell me, um, Angela, where do we find, where can we input this? What kind of businesses, what kind of systems or projects would this be perfect for? So it's very popular in what I would call the IT community or software community, uh, no doubt about it. You know, almost any big IT uh, group inside a company or even software companies like Microsoft or a Salesforce popularly use this framework. But mm-hmm. I am seeing a lot of services businesses want to use this framework. We have graduates flipping houses using this framework. We have school teachers running their classrooms using this framework. So there's other um, adaptations of it, which to be fair, excites me because I came out of the software world and I'm like, oh, software, you know what I mean to me, (laughs) right? Just because 25 years ago, that's where my uh, career started. And so to me, software is kind of old news, even though, I mean, our cars are practically mostly software these days, but lots of uh, organizations can benefit from it particularly those that have deadlines so they can show progress towards that overall deadline. And I think of all kinds of things that fit that bill. You know, I've got a a client that makes robotic devices. I've got a client that makes hearing components like this that go into, you know, fancy devices like this Mm -hmm. one. And they're very successfully using the Scrum framework. Is there a minimum number of team members that you should have to make Scrum work? Yes. Uh, Ideally, it's 10 people or less, but you're going to need at least, you know, one person that we call our product owner that's giving that intent, right? The who, the what, the why. Uh, Ideally, we have our coach, our scrum master, because they not only serve the people doing the work, the developers, but they also serve the product owner and the greater organization on the team's behalf and then our developers. So really, you need at least three developers, if not more, because I always say if you have less than three people doing the work, you got a pair if there's two of them. (laughs) If there's one, it's really hard to be, you know, team when you're an army of one. So the guide says 10 people or less, uh, but usually you need a minimum of about five people or more. Awesome. Awesome. So smaller companies can do this for any projects and get it done, whether it's a team. So I can imagine that, you know, um, a moving company can do this. Okay. You're over here, you're packing this kitchen up and you're doing the kitchen. Here's the, you know, let's, let's get this all done. We have a deadline of, you know, or maybe 
um, you know, a, a construction team, right? You know, mm-hmm. anything that has people doing something, right, to achieve a project, I think it would be um, even good. And even, uh, you know, I could I could even see the, the typical professional service, right? If you've got a, uh, you know, tax season for CPAs, right? Oh, for sure. That, <laughs> right? that you're, you you guys are obligated for this type of tax return and you guys are obligated for, you know, I mean, and I could see that, that these kind of, you know, in, in forms could still work. One of my graduates uh, chatted me during a class recently about the medical profession. And he said, have you heard of nurses and doctors kind of stealing that daily check-in, you know, from scrum, you know, we have, we call it a daily scrum. It's 15 minutes or less. And I said, yes. I said, when I was in the hospital, uh, you know, in labor with my son and he's 11 now. So (laughs) um, I was eavesdropping because right outside my door, which was propped open a little bit, the nurses were having a daily huddle. And when my nurse came back in the room, I said, I totally just got to ask, what was that all about? And she said, oh, we've started this new thing where we do like a 15 minute or less check-in every shift so that we know which patients, you know, are higher priority or which ones just need less care or, or what have you. And I'm like, that's totally what we teach. You know? Oh, that's fantastic. Weren't you, weren't you elated something to take your mind off of actually giving birth, right? <laughs> that in the epidural. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So I love it because yeah, it really can fit into any business that you've got some sort of process that you're going through and that you want to have everybody working and taking ownership on those, on their, on their roles. And I always like to point out it's a choice, you know, because sometimes people will say, are you just going to try to talk me into scrum? Are you just going to tell me scrum's the greatest thing since sliced bread? And I'm like, it's a choice, right? You know, so at, at this stage of my career, I respect people for their choices. So once they learn about it, they're like, oh, I don't like that working together stuff. Cool. It's not for you. Thank you for your honesty. But, yeah. you know, if it is our chosen way of working, yeah, you could see some benefit from it. I love it. And, and, I think we're all looking for ways to simplify the process, right? I mean, God knows, you know, everybody's using AI to write things and create things and doing all that. That's another process, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can simplify what we do within our company as founders and owners, if we can make these things repeatable and, and give strength to the employees that we're paying for, so that they can actually do the work that we would like them to do and come up with new ideas and and motivate themselves i think it just really it really moves us in a better position rather than Absolutely. trying to you know, hammer everything that looks like a nail. <laughs> well, even the call I was on this morning, it's actually an organization that I belong to professionally and I volunteer. And as they were moving through the agenda, gosh darn, if they didn't, you know, oh, we'll say Susie, right? Susie's going to do that. Susie's going to do that. Oh, Susie's going to do that. Well, Susie happens to be at the higher level in the uh, management of the group. And I'm like, this is exactly what we teach to avoid doing. Number one, it's probably a pain in the butt for Susie to be the named person with all the action items coming out of there. And why can't we cultivate more of a culture in this group about what do we need done? Let the rest of us figure it out. Or share the load, share the load. Or even if Susie knows so much, what are we doing to get that out of her head? and share that knowledge with the rest of us, because how did she get so good at it? Oh yeah. By doing it, (laughs) you know, so let other people do it. 
Love it. Love it. Angela, this has been great. I mean, you know, there's so many new ideas, not new, I call them new, but fresh ideas that that I know business owners are looking for to simplify their, their life, right? There's more hours in the day that they feel like they have to do things. And if we can make that an easier process and take stuff off of Susie's plate, right? And, and do this, then there's a lot more, more opportunity and, and easier to run your own company if you have this going on, you know, going on underneath. So as I, as I can't really speak today to get my mind out, but I think it's a fantastic idea. So Angela, where can listeners find out more about you and, um, you know, your book and the the whole program that you've got going on? Scrumfiles.com. They go to scrumfiles.com. We even have a free download on three easy ways to get started with Scrum. I love it. I love it. Okay. So um, what kind of download? What do they get? What's their download? So it's they the get three a, easy ways? Three easy ways to get started with Scrum. So it's a free PDF that'll walk them through how to start implementing three easy steps to get going with this. Okay. So I like that um, because you know what? People need to know what they're getting into first before they sure. get into it. So if they can start reading, they can start seeing some ideas, visualizing it in their company, maybe even trying it out a little bit, it can get the wheels moving for them. So that's awesome. Great gift. Love it. All right, listeners, I hope you have found an idea or two to put into your business that would help you be more profitable. And I know systems and processes maybe feel a little icky at first or more work than they're going to pay off. But in the long run, oh my goodness, it really frees up your time and makes sure your business more repeatable so that if just in case in the future you ever want to sell your company, you're in a better position because you've got these systems and processes in place and powerful teams working on their own. All right. So how would you like to make 45% boost in your net profits in just 30 days? Don't think it's possible. It is. Go check out my training called the 30-Day Profit Booster. This quick and easy strategy can be done without spending more on marketing, hiring additional staff, or working longer hours. Go grab more information at 30dayprofitbooster.com. And Angela and I would love to hear your challenges and what you've done. Have you tried Scrum? You know, did it work? Um, What project did you do? Just hit us up in the comments for the podcast and tell us what you think about Scrum and any experience you've had on it. We'll be sure to comment back. And while you're at it, subscribe to the podcast so that way you won't miss any future shows. And you can always catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. And we're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thanks so much, Angela. Thanks for having me.